so loved us that you came to make us new and to change our lives. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to a well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find His mercy, come to the table. Forever. 
Thank you for the privilege of gathering in your name. We thank you for the privilege 
of honoring your day and honoring your house and locking arms of faith with one another and just praising and worshiping you and giving you the glory that you alone deserve and are worthy of. And we thank you, Lord, for your great faithfulness in our lives. We thank you, Lord, you've never failed us nor forsaken us. You've walked with us every step of the way. We choose to put our trust in you, and we believe you will bring us through every battle, every storm, every challenge. And in that we give you praise, and all God's people said, let's give the Lord a praise. He's worthy. He's able. We bless you, Lord. Faithful. Able. Hallelujah. Oh, thank the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. It's so good to see everybody out this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. God bless you. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're finishing up a series that we've been in for about three months now on Hebrews 11, these heroes of the faith. Next week will be our final message. Today we want to finish up part two of what we began last week. Faith, its people, and its potential. Faith, its people, and its potential. And if you would see Hebrews 11, starting with verse 32. And the author writes, what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson. Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of flames. Escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign arms. As we wind down this series in Hebrews 11, we come to the point where the author has begun to group together people and their exploits as opposed to just taking one by one, so we'll do the same. We're just calling it an overview of the mighty acts of faith, an overview. And we're just taking a little bit of each person that's mentioned. We don't have time to go deeper into each life. But again, from last week, three quick thoughts from our introduction, a review very quickly. Number one, if you're a Christian, you have a measure of faith. If you're a Christian, you have a measure of faith. Don't look for it. You have it. You got it. God has given to each one a portion or a measure of faith, and God desires of us that we use it, that we exercise it, that we develop it, that it might grow that it might bring him glory, that it might bear fruit for his holy name. But number two, we said that in this life, and we thank God for this, that God uses a variety of people and a variety of personalities. That's good. Don't just try to earmark this thing. God uses one type of people. That's false. In this life of faith, God uses a variety of people to do his will, do his works. And listen, he'll use you if you let him. He'll use your life if you'll just work with this God. He'll use your life. And you'll be amazed in what he can do through you. The faith of God will operate. And any person that will dare to listen to his word and surrender and submit to his will. Anyone that will trust the Lord and that will obey the Lord. Offer themselves fully to the Lord. God will lift up that life as an instrument in his hand. And he'll use it to do mighty things. Number three, we said that our faith, faith is not, cannot be limited to times or circumstances. We must never think that God will not do presently what he did previously. 
as we said before, he's right now, God. He, he wants to move today in this present hour. He desires to do that today. He wants to transform lives today. He wants to heal wounded hearts today. He wants to bring breakthroughs into families and situations today. He wants to show himself strong and answer your cries and meet you in a fresh and a beautiful way today. You must never think that God was not willing to do presently what he's done previously, but today, today, today. And we keep in mind the whole purpose of, of this chapter is that God wants us to trust him today. Just like these men and women did so long ago. Times have changed, but God has not changed. And God still works in response to our faith as we believe. Now last week we began with number one was Gideon. Gideon. He seemed like an unlikely candidate, we said, for this chapter. Um, it's a chapter of faith, but it seemed like at the beginning Gideon was an unlikely candidate. God saw something more in him than Gideon saw. God saw the potential, just like he did in us. God saw something. God spoke to him. As Gideon responded, it released the working of God's power, the working of God's grace, the unfolding of God's plan, just like he did with us. God saw something special in each one of us. He saw the possibility. He saw the potential. And he called to us through the gospel. And as we've responded, our life has been one miracle after another. Can you say amen? Again, God gave him a promise. And God will use anyone that will respond to that word. Then we looked at Barak. Barak was a courageous general who won a great victory. But, we said, he almost didn't even try. He found out that God will help the hesitant, yet the willing. Boy, what an encouraging word. He was hesitant, and God just didn't shove him off. God just didn't reject him outright. God did it. No, no, no. He was hesitant, yet God helps the hesitant. God helps the hesitant. He was a little timid. He was a little unsure. But we learn from this story that God will help you and I overcome the things and the hindrances that are trying to hold us back and keep us from advancing in God and keep us from doing what God wants us to do. God helps his people and he'll help you and he'll help me. For many I know that I'm the lingering on the brink of blessing, lingering on the brink of a breakthrough. And sometimes in this life we just have to learn how to lift up our eyes and say, Lord, I'm willing, please help me. Lord, I want to go forward. Please give me the assistance I need. Help me get over this hump. Help me somehow to take this step. Help me, Lord, to respond to that word. Help me, Lord, to step out and trust you. Just give me that push. God helps the hesitant yet the willing. And we have to remember that as many a time, people are on the brink of a blessing. The brink of a great breakthrough in their life, but something's holding back. Something has them a little timid. But in that time, God doesn't want to reject you. God wants to help you. God doesn't want to go over you. God wants to give you the assistance you need to take that step and get out of the boat and take that risk and walk on and watch God honor your faithfulness. Can you say amen? amen. Lastly, last week we looked at Samson. Samson, Samson. Hmm. And because Hebrews 11 is not a chapter, of flaws and failures, but it's a chapter of faith, the faith of God's people. Therefore, we'll go to other chapters to look and learn from his mistakes. Hebrews 11 doesn't do that. We concentrate on the fact that Samson was forced by the conditions of his day to go it alone, to go it alone. There are times in this life, seasons and storms and unforeseen things that get thrust upon a person, 
And in such times, God says, don't give up. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't give in to despair. But know that you know, if you have to, you and Jesus can walk it alone and be victorious. It's not always the easy way. It's not always the best way. But sometimes in this life, things hit us, seasons come, unique circumstances, and, and it seems like we're alone, but we're never really alone. And Samson shows us that, listen, if you trust the Lord, you and Jesus can go it alone if you have to. And now finally we get to Jephthah. We begin our new character. Jephthah. Hmm. God sees value. God sees value. Mark that down in your thinking. God sees value. If you're not familiar with the story of Jephthah, Judges 11 and 12 will talk about him. You can read his story. Jephthah. He was rejected by his brothers. Driven away because he was illegitimate. He was the son of a harlot, the Bible says. And the Bible tells us that when the time came and everybody was old enough in the family, his brothers threw him out and said, you've got no share in this inheritance. But you're illegitimate. But the time came down the road when the rejected son became the requested son. He was driven away, but somewhere out there, he became a leader of men. He became a warrior. And when the time was right, the rejected son became the requested son. And God used Jephthah to deliver the very ones that had rejected him years earlier. It's an interesting story, but let's take some notes. Number one, rejection can be painful. And life can wound a person. And everybody says, But we thank the Lord that Jesus heals. And Jesus ministers to wounded hearts. And Jesus uses and Jesus chooses and Jesus values others that have been rejected by people and ignored by others, forgotten, etc. God sees value. This rejection tries to sell you there's no value. Rejection has a, has a power of condemning and crushing and consuming. But Jesus sees value in every life. Lives that have been abandoned, lives that have been abused. Lives that have been forgotten by others. Lives that made the backslider, the overlooked, the incarcerated. God sees value. The gospel we have to preach is good news. It's good news. Men might reject you, but God has chosen you. Men might want to push you aside, but God wants to embrace you. And God wants to mend you. And God wants to heal you in the broken places of life. I remember Mike Barber. Some of you remember that. Tight end for the Houston Oilers. Mike Barber. Great tight end. Well, he was a Christian man, so when he retired from the NFL, he, had, he started a prison ministry. And for a season in the 90s, TBN would show his program. And sometimes in, the, in these prisons all over the country, they'd allow him to go in the courtyard with a small tent. And you'd see maybe a couple hundred men in this tent, and they'd be in their prison suits and so forth. And they showed the clip of Mike Barber exhorting them, part of the introduction to his program. And I can hear him now. He tell these men, you were created by God, and God doesn't make junk. And he'd go on and say, in fact, God so values you that he sent his only begotten son to die for you, that he could forgive you, and he could receive you, and he could make you his very own. What a beautiful thought. You see, faith changes the course of a man's life. Faith in Jesus Christ makes a man or woman a new creature and gives them a new beginning and begins a healing process of the Holy Spirit within them. Faith helps us to heal 
and bring the healing ministry of the Spirit into our souls. Heals us from the wounds of unkind people and toxic tongues, and from undeserved rejections and hardships. Faith enables you and I to rise up above the cruel acts of men and lay hold of the gracious words and promises of God. So many are rejected by men, but accepted by God. Chosen, favored, and dearly loved. We see this in Jephthah. Someone says, how can that be? They rejected me. How could God want me? Well, very simple. Because Jesus was rejected on that cross for you and I. We can be forever accepted by God the Father. Don't accept that negative label. Don't allow those tags of the past to identify you. But let your salvation, let that beautiful position, that precious position you have as a son and a daughter of God, let that define you. Let that renew your thinking. Let that saturate your emotion. Let that mend make healthy your esteem. See yourself through the eyes of heaven as unchosen and highly favored and dearly loved. And allow the Spirit of God to mend and to heal, and to give you grace in those areas that others have tried to wound and damage you in. Can you say amen? amen? When by faith we come to Jesus, put our confidence in his work on that cross, then we cross over from rejected to accepted, from fallen and ashamed to chosen and esteemed, and the work of the Holy Spirit of God begins something beautiful on our insides. God sees value. And God ministers in men's the wounds of our heart. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The prophet is speaking about Jesus. Jesus will quote this later on in his ministry. The new King James will say it kind of like this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's one of the ministries of Jesus, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives. You don't have to be captive by that thing. You don't have to stay bound by that thing. You don't have to let that thing crush you and weigh you down. He come to set you free. Opening up prison to those that are bound. What a savior. But I want you to notice that when he says um, to bring freedom, present good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Now most translations, instead of say heal the broken heart, they're going to say he'll binds up the broken hearted. It's a little, it's a little different twist on the word. It, it describes and it communicates that personal ministry that Jesus has on a man's insides, on a woman's insides. It speaks of again that progressive, gradual but sometimes people hear the word healing and they just expect boom and it's gone and that, 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 that is a, such a rarity. But binding up speaks of how you would bind a wound. You'd clean out the wound. Pour some healing oil in the wound. Then you would bandage the wound. And maybe put, and there's the pro, it begins something progressive and gradual or real. The mending process. As the Lord gradually heals the wounds, there's stages and there's seasons to the mending. But as we continue to allow the oil of the Spirit in the healing balm of the word of God to minister to us. Day after day, week after week, we recognize that the healer of broken hearts has done a wonderful job on the inside of our lives, on the inside of our lives. Oh, that's, that spirit of rejection is a horrible thing. 
because behind it is the condemnation that wants to crush a life and just step on a life and just rip away all hope from a life and take away the esteem from a life. And God does the total opposite. He is the glory and the lifter of our heads. He takes us from a place of being down in despair and he lifts us up to a place of hope and a place of victory and a place of proper esteem. What a God we serve. Jephthah, God sees value and our faith helps us to rise above the ugliness of man, the ugliness of life that tries to step us down and wear us down. Would you tell the person next to you, God sees value in you? Just let God sees value in you. God sees value. Whatever anyone else did it, God sees value in you. Amen. You judge value. What's someone willing to pay? He was willing to pay the life of his only begotten son so you could be his own. Amen. I mean, some of us had baggage. Some of us, we wouldn't pick ourselves. Amen. But God so loved us, he said, not only am I going to pick you. You see, for God to pick us, he had to pay a price for us. It wasn't just like, well, you know, I'm at the flea market, you know, it's five for a dime. Like, even anyone could afford, I could afford that, amen? I mean, we could afford that. But no, no, no. When he saw you and I, and we didn't even work, amen? I mean, we were broken. We were a mess. He says, I love him. I want him. Don't you see him? Oh, yeah, I see him. He knew me, yet he loved me, the song says, amen? And, and, but you know what it's going to cost? He goes, I don't care what the cost is. That's how much they're worth to me. And Jesus came and died for us. What a price. What a price. Wow. Jephthah. Jephthah. We go on to David. Now David. Well, David, most of us are familiar with. David, this man of faith conquered kingdoms. Administered justice, closed the mouths of lions. He led the nation. He worshiped the Lord. He killed the giant. He was a man after God's own heart. You know, David teaches us a lot about faith. I mean, David, he is, he's a series, a long series all by himself. David teaches us about our faith should be a growing faith, growing faith. We study David, we find out that you don't become a giant killer overnight, do you? When you talk about David, he says, no, first a bear came and I took that bear and I got a little confident. Then I took a lion and then now the giant. And even the giant wasn't the end because they were still a nation. And you see, David teaches us, you want to become a giant killer? Well, start by beating the pig in front of you today. Amen. Start with the battle you have and let God give you victory over it. And you'll grow stronger and you'll be ready for the next thing, David. I mean, first he had to learn to lead himself. Who's the first person we lead? First person I got to lead is me. Learn how to lead himself. Then you learn how to lead a little group of men. Then a company of men. Then a small army of men. And then years went by and he got to lead a couple of tribes. Then a few more years he got to rule a nation. Faith, we mature and we grow. David teaches us about overcoming faith. So many exploits, so many ups and downs. Life has those ups and downs. How did Andrew Cross say, if I never had a problem, how would I know my God could solve them? How would I know what faith in his work can do but through it all? Amen. And we, we learn the overcoming faith. There's so many different challenges and different ways God leads us, different ways God directs us, in different ways faith expresses itself. We learn from David. David had a contagious faith. You know, God wants you to have a contagious faith. Amen. We have to ask ourselves, what's my faith producing? What's my faith reproducing? You see, David always lifted up people around him. His faith lifted up those. It was contagious. 
You are function of a positive influence with those that are around us. You know, David, because he was a man after God's own heart, and the blessing of God was on his life, sometimes that gets people jealous. And you know the story, Saul got jealous, remember that? And so here David goes from sitting at the king's table to run for his life as the king got jealous. And David runs and finally when he finds shelter in a cave, he's all alone. Some dry, dusty, dark cave. Long way from sitting at the king's table, married to the king's daughter, leading the king's troops. Lo, man, how life can do that quickly, can it? Wow. And then they came to him. They came to him. The Bible is, this is how the Bible describes them. Discouraged, distressed, in debt, wanted fugitives. I read that, I think, rise in my first church. Amen. But no. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean that if you're watching. <laughs> but you know what? By the time David got done with them, they're the ones we know as the mighty men. And they became a mighty army and they brought David into the kingdom. Amen. Because David's faith lifted up others around him. His faith was contagious. He had a worshiping faith. I mean, David, we talk about faith, but David, you go on forever. A worshiping faith. You realize that many of the dearest psalms were written in the hardest times. When you read those psalms, and they're so precious, if you go and read where they were written, you really get inspired by them when you see what he was going through. See, faith knows how to worship in the hard times, in the dark hours. See, um, don't let anything steal your song. Don't let anything steal your song. Keep your praise. It's important to your life of faith. Faith knows how to Bless the Lord at all times. But, you know, for me, especially if you grew up in church, one of the first stir- stories we'll all learn is David and... For me, he'll always be remembered, first and foremost, as a giant killer. When I think of David, it's a giant killer. And I know by faith you can defeat and you can topple the giants that are trying to defeat your life. If anything else, we learn that this faith that David had is the same faith we have. Amen? And the faith and the power of the living God that gave him victory over his ugly giant. Whatever your ugly giant is, God will give you the victory. Faith in the living God. Faith in God's power. Faith in God's promises. It still moves mountains. Still defeats giants. And David, he's so good. You know, that just one story, David and Goliath, that, that's so many principles. Isn't that right? I mean, we see this young David. He's just, he's just a teenager. The rest of the church, I mean, the rest of the army's hiding. I mean, King Saul, I mean, but we said, David, faith, faith, faith rejects, no, no, faith rejects the discouragement of others. How about that? Faith knows who to address and who to, faith rejects, because remember when he got there, he's the only one willing to fight the giant. What happened? The king tried to discourage him. Certainly the giant's trying to discourage him. His own brother's trying to discourage him. My Lord, you can't find a friend anywhere, can you? I mean, David teaches us something about faith in giants, that faith in God knows how to reject the discouragement of others, because not everyone has faith. Not everyone sees it through your eyes. Not everyone's believing God's promise like you are. Don't let someone else's doubt and unbelief keep you from pressing on and overcoming. Can you say amen? Amen. amen? David knew how to respond to criticisms and the doubts of others. He knew how to reject those things. And David knew how to rely on the power of God because that was the real key to faith. Faith is not me believing in me. Me. Faith is me believing in God. Faith is not so much I have confidence in myself. No, no, no. One heartbeat from glory. 
but all faith in the living God. How did David say it? Oh, giant, you come at me with a sword and a shield, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Amen. And the God that's given me victory all the days of my life, he's going to give me victory this day. And the whole world will know God doesn't save by human instruments. God saves by his power and his glory. And this day, God will give you into my hands. We have to, if we're going to be people of triumph, we have to be people that put our confidence in the Lord, not in ourselves. Our faith must be in his goodness and his power and his faithfulness. You look at David, he knew how to respond to the critics and knew how to respond to the giants and rely on the power of God. And he knew how to respond to the situation. The Bible says he ran towards the giant. When it comes time, faith is positive. Faith is, faith is an action word. Some are still waiting on the Lord. He's been waiting 20 years. Get up and at him. Speak the word. Attack that giant. Meet it, greet it, and... But David, I go on forever. I love David. He's one of my favorites. Always been. Then we go to Samuel. Samuel's next one. Wow. A great man of prayer. Mighty prophet. He led, in the day of the judges, he led the people for years and years. Something interesting about Samuel that we'll bring out. By faith he served God. He led the people of God throughout his lifetime. But he grew up in the tabernacle. When it was a very corrupt tabernacle, where it was a terrible atmosphere, God would soon judge the whole mess. The priesthood was backslidden, defiled, doing terrible things in the temple, abusing the offerings. It was a mess. He grew up in that, but it never defiled or embittered him. You can go through it without becoming it. It's so important because some people get a situation and they get offended by it, scandalized by it, seduced by it, use it as an excuse, not him. Some people change with their surroundings. Some get too easily affected by those surroundings. But faith allows us to live and stay pure, to stay holy, regardless of the times and circumstances around us. Samson shows us how faith can keep you pure. Even if you're forced to live in a, a home that's not what it should be. Or going to school with people that don't love God. Or you're working in an area that there's compromising and there's corruption. You can be there in the will of God and not get contaminated by that. And not get consumed by that. They're there. It's around him, but it didn't get in him. And there's a shielding power of God that faith allows. If you're in the will of God, then you can stay there and you can live there and not be contaminated by it. They can talk that way. You don't got to talk that way. They can cheat on it. You don't have to cheat on it. See, faith is obeying the word of God. And as we obey that word, that word gives us power to do so. You ready for a story? The point is this. We need to recognize one thing faith can do. This is bringing down to reality. If you have faith, you can live this life wherever the path of faith takes you. But we don't live in a Sunday school class. Can you say amen? You might be in a family. You might be on a job. You might be going to school. You might be in the military. And you're surrounded by people. They, they, they don't honor the name of Jesus. 
They don't believe in living righteously. But you don't have to let that sway you or defile you. Amen? If you believe God. If you can believe he's going to take your soul to heaven, you can certainly believe he can protect you here on earth. But some people sway. Some people sway. Some people, depending on the conversation, they'll sway. Depending on the situation, they'll sway. I read a story about a man that called the church, and he asked if he could speak to the head hog at the trough. The receptionist said, who? The man replied, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. Now, she wasn't, you know, now that she knew she heard correctly, she wasn't crazy about what she heard. She said, sir, if you and our pastor, the right reverend so-and-so, you're going to have to treat him with a little more respect if you want me to put you through to him. He says, all right, but I just wanted to see about this donation I have of $100,000. Uh, for, the, for the building fund, and I mean, and me, that receptionist cut him off, didn't even let him finish the sentence, and hold, hold the line, hold it. I think the big pig just walked in. Hey, Porky. $100,000, you can call me anything you want. <laughs> as long as the check don't bounce, man. <laughs> call me what you want. But. <laughs> Either we got to bring faith down where we live. Faith will help you live. You might work in the factory. You might work around people that are foul mouth and this and that and always. But you can live honest in integrity. God will help you live in this life. Amen. Amen. Uh, another great, cha- he's, not, he's not in this by name, but another great hero of the faith is Daniel. And Daniel, from a young boy up, he not only lived in Babylon, he governed, he ruled in Babylon. All those years in Babylon, but Babylon never got in Daniel. And that's kind of how it is with us. Amen. If we walk with the Lord, we could be in this world, but not of this world. And I think that's something to encourage our faith with, is we all have to walk, you know, different ways. All right. Who else we got? The prophets. The prophets. Finally, the prophets. Talk about inspiring heroes. Elijah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Amos, and Joel. It wasn't an easy calling the prophets had, was it? I get tickled nowadays. People call themselves a prophet. I said, you wouldn't be calling yourself one back in the day. I mean, they're drawing and quartering back in the day. Amen? They're stoning them back in the day. They're not taking an offering for them back in the day. I'll tell you that. But um, heaven called, like it does every generation, who's on the Lord's side? Who will stand with God? Who will stand for the unchanging truth of the gospel? And these men and women stood tall and unashamed. They said, here I am. They responded to the call of God. He wants more willing volunteers in this present hour. Men and women, whether you're 8 or 98, that'll stand tall, speak the truth of God, live the truth of God. Faith helps us to fulfill our call. Faith helps us to live out what God has called us to live. Faith chooses to stand with God regardless of what others do. The prophets of the Bible stood against the current. They stood against the tide of the culture. They stood against what was popular and politically correct. Instead, they were biblically correct. You know, they stood for that. They stood for that. They took an unpopular stand because they had an unpopular message. Their message was calling the people back to God. They didn't want to come back. That's a tough message. 
It's one thing, as they say, to preach to the choir, preach to people that go on that way and encouraging them that way. That's nice. That's good. That's needed. Not as easy to go to those that are heading the wrong way and say, you're heading the wrong way. Don't care what the TV tells you. Don't care what the liberal estate tells you. You're headed the wrong way. And if you don't turn around, you're going to get, you go to a judgment. That's it. Nobody wants that. But these prophets are raised up by God. And they had an unpopular message. They had a very... Um, took an unpopular stand, and they faced some daunting odds. Because if you walk the narrow road that Jesus spoke about, you're going to be in the minority. Just write it down. If you want to be in the majority, you've got to wait till you get to heaven. We're not getting it here on earth. Amen? But they served with unusual courage and commitment because they were God's servants. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm a servant of the Lord. Don't be ashamed, I'm a servant. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a noble thing. That's an honorable thing. For God's servants who stood their moral ground. Spoke clearly what God called them to say. Not what men wanted to hear. Faithful, loyal. To God and God's people. Now next week. The last sermon. Is going to be the other side of faith. The other side of faith. And we're going to read about others. They didn't get the blessing here. They had a way to get it there. And so you want it. We're going to finish off with not so much swinging from the chandeliers. Faith for a real world and real people. But this morning, faith, its people, and its potential. We talked about Jephthah. We thank God that God sees value. God sees value. That you might be rejected by men, but you're accepted and chosen by God and you're called to come to God. And if you know what it is to be wounded, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Amen? Sometimes preaching can be complicated. Sometimes it's very easy to just point him to Jesus. Jesus loves you. Jesus is the answer. Jesus can do what no one else can do. He still heals wounded heart. He still binds up our wounds. He still pours in the oil of his spirit that can reach places doctors don't even know where it's at. And then there was David. Hey, David's an encouragement, isn't he? By faith, listen, you can defeat your giant. You can defeat your giant, whatever it is. God is greater than your giant. Amen? And you don't have to trust in yourself. You trust in the Lord. Amen? Respond or reject the discouragement of others. Be bold in the face of the challenge and trust God to do great things, just like he did in David's life. And then Samuel. Let's remember Samuel's lesson. By faith, we can live this life regardless of the surroundings. You might not be in an easy... For some of us, it's, it's easier to live than others. For some of us, we've got godly families, and we come from godly generations, and we're, you know... But others, I know it's not that easy. You might be the first person saved in your family, and it's rough sledding. But God's grace is sufficient for you. God will help you there. You can be a pioneer in your, in your family. You can be the first one. You, you can set a new tone. Amen. Some of you here are the first one saved in your family. And it wasn't always easy, was it? It would have been nice to have mom, mother, grandmother, and others, everyone supporting you and praying for you instead of looking at your cross side and, and being critical. But, but many of you, you, you paid the price, and now those coming after you didn't have to deal with half the stuff you dealt with. Because you're a pioneer of the faith. And you made a way for them. Samuel, we learned that faith can keep us even when our surroundings aren't pro-Jesus. 
and then the prophets. By faith, we can speak up and serve the Lord in our generation. Faith, it's people and it's potential. We're going to close. I pray these examples will help us in our walk and in our fight of faith. As we close the service, let's offer ourselves. Let's be God's instruments. Again, you can be 80 or 8. God hath need of thee, and the Lord desires to use you. Let's offer ourselves and let God take us as his instruments. There are lives that God wants us to touch. There are testimonies God wants us to tell. Amen? Let's offer ourselves to God. And if one of these examples that we touched on this morning, if one of these people really speaks to your heart, take it to the Lord. Talk to the Lord about it. And let God encourage you. Amen? Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. We're going to sing our last song, prayer, our last prayer. If you're here today and, and, and things aren't right between you and the Lord, please take this opportunity to come on and make a fresh altar. Just say, Lord, I, I'm not walking this walk of faith like I should. I've been kind of drifting. I've been kind of putting in neutral. I need to start serving you like I once did. If you're here today, please, if God's speaking to your heart, make a fresh commitment. He's full of mercy and grace. If you're here today, and I don't want to just say these things because public speakers can just stir up emotions and almost, but if you're here today, and the Holy Spirit is ministering grace to your heart, just say, Lord, it might have happened long ago, but I still don't have the victory that I really would like to have in that area. Would you pour some more oil on that wound? Amen. Lord, I'm not naive enough to ask for a magic wand. I know that's not how things work. But I do know you're the friend and you're the healer of every wounded and every bruised heart. And Lord, I'm still stung by this or that. I still battle. And I don't want to become bitter, Lord. I don't want bitterness to win. I still got that phobia. I don't want that thing controlling me anymore. Lord, I've got a wounded heart. I've got an area in my life. If you would, Lord, would you pour some fresh oil in it? Would you put some ointment on it? And would you bandage me afresh? I pray the prayer. If you need prayer, come. If you want to pray, come. Let's let the Holy Spirit just fall on us. And Mr. Grace to us. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Use us like you use these men and women of faith. Lord, you haven't changed. You still want to do your works in there. Father, use us. We offer ourselves afresh in our world along the path we're walking. Use our lives to do your will and your works. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would touch people in a special way this morning. You would touch hearts and lives in a way you know. They need it the most. Father, in the name of Jesus, please help us. Please heal us. Please touch us. Inspire your people. Speak to us now at this altar. Touch us. Release the working of your power. Let your mending flow. Be released in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,